Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. human anger does not produce the righteousness that God deserves. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues it in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Thank you, Lord, for your words so that we may grow. Uh, so we're in James, a sermon series of, of James, and James is a letter that was written a long time ago. James is the half-brother of Jesus, and he was a pillar of the early church, and he writes this letter to Christians scattered across the Roman Empire. And he begins his letter with a brief greeting. He greets them with joy. And speaking of joy... He then says, oh yeah, trials, consider them great joy when you go through trials. After trials, he talks about temptations, and and then he reminds us that God gave us the word of truth, the gospel, and, and there is this new life that comes from God's word, the word of truth. We are new creations We are the reborn, new creations, James reminds us. So this is our fourth lesson now in the the letter of James. And for us today, let's continue on to receive the word. Let's sit under the text. Let us continue to receive the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now to get started here this morning... What exactly is the gospel? We could spend a long time answering this question. It requires really um, at least a good hour to explain the story of the Bible and all the different facets. We could go on and on talking about what is this good news of the kingdom of God. Well, gospel 
You know, it simply means good news. It's world-changing news. It's, it's history-changing news. Now, first, for the general Roman audience back in the day, gospel meant, hey, a new Caesar was born. Hooray. Somebody's ascending to the throne. Let the whole empire know you're getting a new conqueror, a new emperor. All right. But from a, a, a second point of view, from a Jewish perspective, gospel, this understanding of good news, it's, it's rooted in Israel's prophets like Isaiah. The gospel is the, the announcement of God's long-awaited victory over evil, death, and darkness. God has and is and will rescue his, his people. But then we zoom into Jesus and then subsequently the rest of the New Testament. The gospel is the announcement. It is an event in history. Something has happened. It's, it's a happening, okay? God is up to something. God is breaking into our world. God is becoming king, and he's doing it through Jesus. God is bringing renewal to this world, and that's still the case today. Of course, in the midst of continual decay and, and heartbreaking news all the time, God still is at work, and God's renewal project is still going on. Heaven and earth are being reconciled through Jesus, who made peace through crucifixion bloodshed. And in this big gospel, when it comes to us as persons, salvation is a result of this big gospel. Hallelujah. Jesus is the one who sets us free from the bonds of evil. And the Bible says... It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the Spirit does not bring stuffy rules, but liberty. And we all get to gaze upon the glory of Jesus with unveiled faces. And from the inside out, we're being changed, renewed, transfigured into the image of, of God. As, as, as God's kingdom continues to break into our lives, being remade into the image of, of Jesus. So as James puts it, this inbreaking is a type of rebirth. He, he calls it, hey, we're, we're, we're first fruits of God's creatures. We are the fresh and new and true fruit of God's recreation. New creation means there's an old creation. And so we put away the old and we embrace the new. We want to practice new life. We want to be practitioners of, of the new creation. In other words, to put it simply, this is discipleship. Discipleship is learning what new creation life and behavior and conduct looks like. And now this is where James takes us Next, speaking of conduct, he brings up the topic of communication. How does gospel, how does the gospel shape our language, our listening skills, our communication? If we are the first fruits of God's creatures, to use James's language here, vocabulary, our communication should be spirit fruity, right? We should be fruity. 
This is our first point. I'm glad some of you laughed. (laughs) Our first point is this. The gospel influences our communication skills. James says this. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding ourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. What we say, how we say it, how we listen, all of that matters. And James gives us, gives us this wisdom here today that is so uh, vital to our relationships today. To be slow to speak, very quick to listen, slow to anger, or it could also be translated as wrath. We live in a culture of outrage. Different things tend to trigger us a whole lot faster these days. Again, let's sit under this text. Slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to anger. This is helpful in our relationships, our conversations, disagreements. When we have different opinions coming together around a table, we need to slow down. It's okay to collect data. It's okay to hear the whole story, at least try to hear the whole story. It's okay to just hear the context. Now, sure, there there is a place for what we call righteous anger. It is possible to be angry and righteous at the same time, but it's very difficult. Okay? I would say probably there's only a handful of times in our lives where righteous anger is the right and appropriate expression. James says, hey, lead with your listening skills. Lead with your ears first, and then once you have a calibrated and appropriate response, then speak. Anger, based off of the Greek word, implies some sort of opposition. And now, you know, anger is a normal human emotion, but anger, when it's not dealt with properly, when it goes too far, of course, it it doesn't accomplish God's righteousness. So what is God's righteousness? Righteous, you know, God is righteous. It's his justice. It's his restoration, making the world a better place. Anger gets in the way of that. It slows things down. It's, it's a hindrance to that. And so as disciples, we're instructed to, to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? Yeah, we're going to be angry sometimes. That's okay. It's okay. But remember, as disciples, we're called to seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. Anger can get in the way of that, so we need to be careful. It spoils righteousness. It, 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 it hinders the ability to be satisfied. It's, it's hard to hunger and thirst after righteousness. It's hard to find that satisfaction when we're angry. Okay, so James, he's going to coach us next. And he's going to give us some straight talk. He says, okay, rid yourself of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. 
James says, okay, you have responsibility. Take some steps to clean up your life. Now, it's interesting that he links anger with the dirt that is in our life. You know, in, in my house, when, when, when Jess and I boogie and we do like a deep clean of the whole house, things feel more at peace. It, it feels better. It, it seems like we think better. We communicate better. I don't know if that's, you know, if that relates to your household. But I wonder if there's a correlation here. You know, I wonder if, if all of the, the moral dirt, the dirt inside of us, and our disordered desires and things like that, I wonder if there's a correlation. How much moral dirt and our desires provide this, this staging to, to anger. We're all dirty on the inside, and it doesn't take much to, to trigger us, to, to, to have that anger unleashed. You know, squeeze a, a disciple, what comes out? Is it anger? Is it hostile words? Is it words of, of judgment? What's going to come out when we're expressed? When, when we're pressed? Is it dirt, something wayward? Or will something holy come out? Will, will something fruity come out? A fruit of the Spirit come out? Now, I've experienced both. You know, you get pressed sometimes. It's like a spirit of peace is there and I have no reason to get angry. I don't know. It's just, you know, that, that Christian maturity. It's like, it's okay. Like, sure, that was annoying, but it's okay. Other times that's not there at all. And, you know, you want to say bad things, right? Like we we're there sometimes. There's a, a home movie, um, the old VHS home videotapes back at my parents' house. There's a, a home, home video of, of me as a toddler. We were at a cabin and we had spaghetti one night. And for whatever reason, they filmed me sitting on a rock eating spaghetti as a toddler. I guess that needed to be recorded for history. And I was a very, very chubby baby and toddler and I just big cheeks big rosy cheeks with spaghetti all over my face okay in that moment I need a parent I need a parent to come and clean me up all right I'm messy I got spaghetti everywhere sauces everywhere on my my bib my shirt you know what's the point of a bib I, you know it's just it goes everywhere I need to be cleaned up and that's that's true of us every single day. We need a gospel napkin. We need a gospel napkin to come and clean us up. And this is where James is encouraging us. He says, hey, take some steps to clean yourself up. And how you do this is you humbly receive this gospel napkin to wipe you up. Humbly receive the implanted word. That's the gospel which saves. And so every day, give yourself some time to listen in to the gospel. Just remind yourself, if you want to start at Good Friday or Easter, just start with the, the events. What, what does it mean like, like that Jesus died for you? Just recite the good news. 
Rehearse the good news. How God has showed up in your life. How God has showed up in the Bible. Just speak this good news to yourself. Speak this grace to yourself. Listen in to what God is saying to you. Calm yourself. I know you have spaghetti on your face. But just just let, let the napkin hit you. Calm and quiet yourself with the good news. Put your hope. And Jesus. And then, out of who you are, out of that gospel identity, in the context of James here, you know what? Out of your identity, you don't need to rush into words. In terms of gospel communication, lead with grace. Listen. Be slow to speak. Slow to anger. As we receive the gospel... It will produce more than just healthy communication. It will actually shape who we are. And this is our second point for the day. The gospel shapes our our identity and story. James says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom, that's the gospel, and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Hearers only, they forget who they are. It's like they look into the mirror... Oh yeah, that's what it is. This is, this is Christianity, this, this is who I am, here's my faith. But they walk away and they forget who they are. Without a story, without identity, that's amnesia, right? And I think many suffer quietly with this identity crisis. We don't know who we are fully because... We don't spend enough time understanding who we are in Christ Jesus. Doers look into the perfect law of freedom. That is the gospel. They are shaped by the gospel. They they persevere in the gospel. Be a doer of the word. Let the gospel form and fuel all of your life. The doer who hears and the hearer who does, this person who puts their, they they put their faith into action. A hearer who does good works. James says this person is blessed. Now, speaking of being angry, you know, sometimes we just throw up this general question, what's wrong with people? What's wrong with people? What in the world? What the what? What is wrong with people? And I would say a general answer to that question is humanity is in an identity crisis. Image bearers have forgotten who we are. And again, coming back to discipleship. Another way to to explain what discipleship is, it's 
identity restoration. We were once orphans, but now we're sons and daughters of God Most High. We're not old nature, we're new nature. We're not old creation, we're new creation. We don't live in sinship, we live in sonship. Identity restoration. We don't want to be a person without a renewed identity, without a story. And so again, we go back to the gospel and we let the, we let the kingdom shape who we are, our identity, our story. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you need a quicker read, go to Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And one of the questions that I like to ask myself is, okay, what story do I want to tell? Is my life full of love and grace and kindness and goodness? Is my life fruity, filled with the Holy Spirit, gentleness, peace, and so on? One author uses the analogy of, a, of, a dead, of the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is a, uh, you know, it's over there in the Middle East. <laughs> it's a terminal, terminal lake. No natural outlet. All right. In this case, don't be like the Dead Sea. All right. You need ways to be active. Let the gospel and the light and love of Jesus flow through your life. So dear church, dear disciples, look into the liberty of the gospel and be reminded of who you are. You are a daughter of God. You're a son of God. You are loved. Now go. Be who you are. Be who God created you to be. Keep going back to the gospel and live the life of love that it teaches. To love God and love neighbor with everything you have. And so what story do you want to tell? What's your story? Go to God. Hang out with him. Receive the gospel. Receive the implanted word. Receive that gospel napkin. Let it clean you up. Know that you are in Christ. Now go and put your faith in action. Now next, James, he wants to talk a little bit more about communication. Verse 26 says, If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. So, are you a religious person with an out-of-control mouth, rash language? Yeah, you might want to check into that. Okay? James says, your religion is useless and you are deceived. You are full of hot air. Now, religion is the expression of beliefs and worship and prayer and their ceremony and habits and you know our faith walk and all of that. So James is challenging us. Hey, even just a simple definition of what is religion, what is religious, come back to the word. Again, let's sit under the text. And then James powerfully says in verse 27, Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. 
Our third point today is that the gospel leads us to purity, justice, and compassion. Pure and undefiled religion is to reach out to those in need. And James gives a specific need for his day. It was orphans and widows. So many orphans and widows. And I think James speaks so well and clear for our church generation today. And we have this great reminder that evangelism and action are not mutually exclusive. Evangelism and and social concern are not mutually exclusive. Remember, the, the gospel isn't mere doctrine or belief. It's an event. It is a happening, and it continues to happen. God's kingdom continues to break in. And the inbreaking of the, the kingdom of God into a person's, a person's life, it brings restoration to their identity. As evangelicals, we like to use the, the words, you know, born again, to be re, reborn, right? But the inbreaking of the kingdom of God, it also restores the conditions that lead to peace and well-being. Let me put it this way, family. Through Jesus, Father has provided salvation. Therefore, let's tell the whole world that Father has opened up the way to salvation. It's through Jesus and Jesus alone. This is what we call evangelism. But also, since Father is is judge, God is judge of all humanity, therefore, we should share in Dad's concern for righteousness and justice and compassion. Yes, we, we know social action is not evangelism. And even if we get political for a smidge here, good liberating legislation, that's not salvation. You know, we, we know these things, we affirm these things. We affirm the implication of the gospel is both evangelism and reform. This is the fullness of the gospel. This is what a big gospel will do. Let me slow down. The fullness of the gospel here. The big gospel that we preach will have gospel-driven social consequences. And the gospel-driven, our our gospel-driven social actions will have evangelistic consequences as we bear witness to the transforming grace of Jesus. It's not show or tell. It's not show and tell as two separate things. It's the integration of show and tell. Let's get historical. On the screen is Charles Grandison Finney. I promise you he wasn't a vampire. (laughs) In the second great awakening of this country in the 1800s, Charles Finney, a great revivalist preacher, this is the day, the, the era of revivalism in our country. He could preach. He could bring revival, people, people getting saved. The cultural moment was ripe for that kind of thing. But for Finney and other leaders, 
evangelicalism, you know, the, the tradition that we sit in as evangelicals. Evangelicalism meant way more than just conversion. Evangelicals of the 1800, activism was a big part of who they were. They were a big part of social reform, education reform, prison reform, helping the poor, the rights of women, abolition, and so on. Engaging in social responsibilities, trying to make this world a better place, that's nothing new. James is talking about it right now in our, in our passage. Pure and undefiled religion is to reach out to those in need. Bring peace, bring shalom, bring that restoration, bring that justice, that, that compassion to them. Take care of those who are in need. Accept Jesus into your heart. Accept Jesus into your hands too. You get to go do this. Go make this world a better place in the name of Jesus. Now James doesn't tell us how to meet needs. So this is where we enter into a time of discernment. We want to prayerfully think about these things. We want to make sure how we meet needs, how we help others, how we do social reform, how we... How we do the things that we're called to do. We want to make sure it's grounded in the posture of the kingdom. And not the ways of the world. And speaking of the ways of the world. James also says pure and undefiled religion is keeping yourself unstained from the world. Now world in this context is, is the, the, the stage. The, the scenery. It's, it's, a, it's a place of danger and, and evil. James says there is this purity, holiness trajectory for your life. If you are the fresh and new and true creation of God's creatures, James says, yeah, let's be spotless. Now that sounds like a tall order, right? Pure and undefiled sounds like a lot. That's a tall order. Well, let's just put it a different way. If we say, be like Jesus, we want to be like Jesus. Well, Jesus was pure and undefiled. God's character is pure and undefiled. So yes, of course, we want to reflect God's character. And so we take the pathway of truth. God's kingdom. His saving grace. We're, we're, we're going to take these truths to people all over the world. And so we want to be like Jesus. We want to demonstrate the compassionate care for, for, for needy. And we want to strive for justice and restoration and peace. We, we want to make things right. And to put all this complexity, I hope you guys are doing okay, to put all this down into simple words, what is good religion? Well, it's destroying immorality and lovingly being warriors against any distress any degradation, any alienation. That is good religion. And so here at the end, commit and integrate the full dimensions of the gospel in your times of reflection. I encourage you. When you look into the mirror of the gospel, when you stare into the liberty of the gospel, Sure, that 
you know, speak grace to your heart. Let it speak to you. But remember that the gospel is about all of life. The gospel is bigger than just you. And so we slow down. I encourage you to slow down. Commit, your, commit yourself to, to the full integration of the full dimensions of the gospel. Jesus is re- reconciling all things to himself through the cross. Stare deeply into the gospel and let it shape your story, your identity. Let the good news of the kingdom, the good news that God is king and becoming king and will continue to be king in Jesus, let that news inform how you live, how you talk, how you listen. You are, re- you are a representative of the king. Let the gospel show you how to practice purity. Whether it's outreach or inreach, I encourage you to reach and respond to the authentic needs of others. You are a child of God. So with heaven in your heart, as best as you can, as the Lord leads you and helps you, with gospel grace, Go help those who are in distress. Help meet needs. Help others. Put your love in action. And thank you, because I know you all do that. Thank you for working in the kingdom of God. Let's, let's pray.